I have often said in any show I've ever done about autism, Asperger's, spectrum behavior, anything around that subject, that autism and spectrum behavior, it's like there's a different alphabet. And if you can learn how to connect and communicate with the individual who has their own alphabet, then the connection is magical, it's powerful, and it's life-changing. One of the challenges that I find, being a professional who works in mental health, recovery, dependency, and behavioral issues, is that everybody who's on spectrum has their own alphabet. And so I wonder often what it's like to be on spectrum and how the rest of the world seems. Does the rest of the world have a different alphabet than you? Can you understand them but still have your own experience of the way world the world works? And you can we can make up all the ideas we want about how we should connect, how we should communicate, how we should 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 and all we've done is just taken big shoulds on everything. You know what I'm saying? And so I got Sam Mitchell on the line. He is the host of podcast of a podcast called Autism Rocks. And I want us to get our answers from Sam instead of each other. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. My name is Aaron Huey. I'm your host. Thank you for listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing this podcast with other parents who need this. And you know a parent who is struggling. And I'm not saying the child is struggling. I'm saying the parent is struggling with their child with autism. So let's find out from the real pro, Sam Mitchell from Autism Rock. Sam, thank you for being yeah. on the show, my friend. Of course, buddy. Glad to be here. I'm glad to have you. Tell me, let's get, let's jump right into it. First of all, and foremost of all the questions I could ask, the question I want to ask you the most is what was it like growing up? Uh, growing up, it was definitely different than someone else. I would say with a, what you call a typical childhood. Um, I think I was more isolated than others. And I believe that I was in my own head space. When you're in your own head space, is that head space full and spinning and hypervigilant to your own experience of the world? Or is it a calm, quiet, serene space and you don't know what everybody around you is freaking out about? I'd say it's a little bit of both. I think sometimes it's the first way and then sometimes it's the second way. So 50-50. Did you know, because one of the things about spectrum behavior that seems to be so... Um, off-putting or unsettling for normies, I don't know what, what, are, what we, for normal people, is the idea and what we are told is that, that you don't pick up social cues. You don't understand social cues. Is that true or do you do, is it, is it different than that? Is it more complex than that? Well, two things to answer that. One, there is no normal to me. <laughs> I'm not even kidding when I say that. I, I agree with you, and I'm glad you say it. At our kids' camp, what our saying is normal people suck. <laughs> I like them already. <laughs> two, um, two, I would say that – can you repeat the second question? I'm sorry. Well, it's, it's just that for – 
normies? Is it the social cues? Is it you're not picking them up or they don't matter? Or what is it for you? What's the social cue experience for you? It's an overanalyzing. If I look at it, then I care too much. But if I don't look at it, then I don't care and I can have the conversation properly. Huh. The reason why I asked that as my second question is because that seems to lead to the idea of isolation is that if, if, if someone doesn't feel like you're picking up their social cues, they tend to not feel, what is it? Comfort, safety around somebody who's not picking up social cues. If a dog isn't picking up social cues, the dog can be aggressive. If a human's not picking up social cues, they probably shouldn't go to a zoo. Because animals, one of the one of the ways I liken this is that, Sam, have you ever seen uh, uh, video footage of a gorilla or a monkey throwing poop at somebody? No. Okay, because there's lots of videos on YouTube and stuff like that that people are sitting there watching a gorilla, and then all of a sudden the gorilla flings poop at people. And for me, I'm extremely hyper vigilant because of my ADHD and having such a strong desire to fit into every group that I can see that the gorilla is pooping in its hand. How come other people don't see the gorilla pooping at hand before? Because they're always surprised by the gorilla throwing poop. How are you surprised when it's pooping in its hand? So I'm curious about social cues. What is it about social cues based on your understanding that has anything to do with autism and spectrum? Oh, it doesn't, they don't make sense. The body languages, the eyesores, I hate them because for me, I'd rather you tell me, like, if you don't like me, say I can't be hurt anymore. So just say it to my face. I don't just say, I don't like you. I mean, I don't, and I'll be like, okay, I respect your opinion, but have my own way of thinking. I hate with the body shoulders, the eye rolls. To me, that's just more rude than someone saying it. Now you say, you just said you can't be hurt anymore. Is that because you've been hurt too much? Is that because just these yep. things don't hurt you? Yes, sir. I've been hurt too much that your crap has gone down. Talk about that. Sure. So basically I've had, as I've grown older, I've got so much that the tank in my crap of carrying what others tank is down. It's so down. It's in the empty range beyond, beyond of filling it up again. And so are people put off by this or do you find, do you find that having that not giving a crap in your, in your crap a meter is down so much? Is that, does it make it easier for you to be in relationships? Oh yeah. It makes me so much, it makes it so much easier. I think it's, it changed for the better. Believe me. I think some, I think it can be put off sometimes, but I'd rather deal with that consequence than tolerate not being social and being and can what others think. What was it like when you were younger? If and and I don't know how how well your memory is. I wouldn't be able to answer this question. But what was it like when you were younger? Um, did you feel different? Did people treat you different? Was a mix of both, or what was going on? Well, how did how how was your experience of other people and their experience of you? Well, I think for most people, I think I was respected. As far as life, probably back then, based on what I saw, no, I could be wrong, but I think I'm more respected in life then than I was back then. I, but again, I should have realized at that time that the crap of me, I should have cared about the respect level I got, not the liking. Yeah. 
What was the hardest part about being in relationship with people? What made it difficult for you? To see that others are, were trying, and I kind of put it off, but also see that I wasn't ready for it. That was hard. Ready to be in relationship with others. Yep. Are relationships too, com- were they too complex or were the, did they hold too much expectation? Well, I think held too much expectation, the more I think of it. When you say, I think there's just too much expectations. People have a way they want you to act, and sometimes you're not going to act like that, and you don't want to. So it's better for your mental to act the way you wish. With autism, there also seems to be a conversation around uh, this this ability to singular focus, hyper focus on something that, you know, it can look obsessive to other people, but truly it's something that holds your interest. You understand it's formulaic in such a way that you can start to foresee outcomes. Uh, I One of my business partners whose son is autistic, uh, for him it's puppets and puppeteering and building puppets and performing puppets. And so everything is about puppets. And it's singular, except he has an entire universe inside this singularity. Is there something like that for you? Oh, yes. And I'm going to answer that question with what my family, what I would say, or my mother would say. We don't call it any more obsessions. We call it practicing your future skills. Because really? here's an example. Um, I've had a couple of NASCAR, dri- NASCAR drivers on my show. If you talk to your parents, all they did was play with matchbox cars. Mm, okay, they may have been obsessing in the moment, but what are they doing right now? Let's think. Oh, that's right. They're driving NASCAR. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm thinking with your friend's son, he was obsessed with puppets. What if he finds a way to become a ventriloquist? Oh, and without a doubt at his age now, which is 18, he's got his own YouTube. He's like, he's, it's, it's his business. It's his performance. It's his connection. So he's got, America's got talent for puppeteering. Maybe, maybe they'll do something for it. Yeah. Now, you talked about when you and I were off the air, you were talking about that podcasting was something that you were doing with school. Yeah, and in a club after I found it from my media mentor in our school, one of our school board members, Scott Carmichael. And you just decided you love it. Yep. I just decided I loved it so much that I stayed in the club definitely till I, till from sophomore to senior. I didn't know about it until freshman year. I decided to. They said to join next year because of the project. I was like, okay. And I did. I was loyal to that club for three years and didn't leave at all. Now that you're out of the club, out of school, you're continuing it on your own. Where was your decision to, was that show also uh, about autism or is this was your decision, your show, you, what, how did this path work out for you? No, Thunder. Thundercast was about the school, like how to what what's the school and what's around our community. Yeah. For me, I my I wanted to help people. Was I think it was I didn't know what to do really with my podcast. So my mother's an English teacher, so she said the English teacher side came out of her, and she said, "Well, what's your purpose?" And I thought, well, I don't know quite frankly. So I took about and I thought I want to help, and I think I want I wanted to help, and I wanted to add in some humor, maybe not like full-on comedy podcast sure, but sure. in humor and educate and show that others with disabilities can be successful yeah 
And with podcast, with, with autism, I keep calling it podcast rocks, but I think podcasting absolutely rocks. I feel like you and I are DJs on the last free radio. Like we get to say what we want, interview who we want. We're not beholden to any corporations. So I love it. What do you love about podcasting? So what do I love about podcasting is um, the fact that I understood it because I found it and it just clicked with me. Some of the stuff I was doing beforehand is like traveling and tourism. I was initially doing going to do that. It was the only thing that made sense to me really with travel agency and plane us vacations. But unfortunately I soon realized I didn't make a lot of money. So I learned that media made a lot more money after I found that yeah. and it just clicked and I love it to this day. And are you making money on your podcast? Yes. Um, I, it, it was a hobby at first, but after I developed sponsorships, it turned to a business, Wonderful. which we'll probably think right now. We was Wellspring Paint Solutions, Salon 45, Commercial Service, Blue Boy Chocolate Shop, Life Paths Counseling, CPA Tax Service, Donnie Bell's Built Automotive, and Perfection Auto Glass, and Green County General Hospital. And none of that came from reading a script. You got these guys in, in that brain of yours. Oh, there's more probably. I just forget some. <laughs> How was school for you? Was and I, and I not just the social experiment of school, but also academically. Did you excel, fall behind. School didn't teach you the way you learn. What was it for you? Uh, academically, I'll admit it. My the way school I went to, it was great as far as academics. It was a wonderful, but with school, I was I was told I was going to be in a special ed classroom. I didn't think my parents didn't think I needed it, yeah. so. They decided that I would be in a general ed classroom with uh, resources. I used a lot of resources. I had like a float pass that could make me go to the resource room and help me with work, like extra time on tests and all that jazz. Right. When is your experience with autism, uh, is there a processing of energy that you have to have an outlet for? You know, some uh, some kids wave their arms. I, I have a childhood friend who used to rock back and forth against a chair. Is that is that something that you require? And what what do you do to resource your energy? Oh, it's, well, I stem. That's what, that's what we call it a lot. But yeah, I sometimes I rock back and forth uh -huh. or... That's mainly what I do is probably rock back and forth. Okay. But and then I sometimes I'll like just I have a hammock. I just like to swing in that and think. That's my way of thinking. And does that when you're when you're resourcing that energy, does that clear the mind or does that focus the mind? What does it, it makes do me for you? Focus. Okay. It's when I swing, it's the opposite of clearing. It's focusing on trying to solve a problem. <laughs> and it just it seems like your brain is designed for solving problems. Is that accurate to say? Sure. Why not? Is it different for you? Oh, solving problems. Yeah, I got a different process. I solve it. I, I don't, my problem is what I like to, when I, what society does sometimes is they'll forget about a problem and then come back to it. No, I don't do that. I, I like to call, I don't put the band-aid on the problem. I put it. I don't put bands on problems. I'm like, no, we're solving it. I don't care if it takes eight hours, seven hours to the whole day. We're solving this now, right? Moving on from it. Good luck with me trying to. It seems like a blessing and a curse. Which one have you experienced more in your life? The blessing or the curse side? Uh, with that, it would probably be curse uh, pass. As of now, blessing because I can solve problems a lot quicker and 
the problems don't shut up and it finally, finally gets solved. Let's talk about problems that don't, that don't shut up because this is where I feel like I've hit the line in my understanding. So I want to start asking questions that express my inability to comprehend what life is like for you in the same sense that I can imagine that if I said, Hey, imagine being a 51 year old ADHD, uh, multiple business owner with two grown kids, like you would have a hard time putting yourself in that experience, but you could ask me questions about that and I could answer them. But now I just want to reverse that and say, this is about the limit of my understanding. It's, it's based on the outside. So Sam, what's it like? How can you explain to a parent or to a healthcare worker like me what being Sam is like? It's like living, well, for me, it's like living your day to the fullest and taking on and experiencing many adventures. I'm a big adventurous person and I've always been since I was a kid. Like, I'm always adventurous. I like good stuff like skydiving, bungee jumping, you know, and not caring about it and zip lining. I'm a big adventurous guy. But I don't like limitations on me. That's how I am. So I'm big adventurous. I definitely, I'm smarter to know the dangers of bungee jumping, all these crazy adventures that I've struggled with internally and physically and mentally, but I don't care really. I, I know the risk and I'm willing to take it. High risk, high reward, buddy. Do you know some of the things, are you very conscious of the things that you, um, struggle with and are able to consciously find resource or do you still find yourself caught up in your own experience and overwhelmed and have to have somebody on the outside go hey yo sam you're in a spin let's let's hit the hammock or let's go do a podcast or yeah to answer i can answer that so to answer your question i'm pretty good at communicating like like telling you like hey here's the deal family or here's the deal today. I need help. What the hell should I do? Yeah. I'm pretty good at that. So I will, I haven't caught in that, but used to, I would probably a lot more often than I am now, but now I'm like, Oh, I can see this coming. We need to go get some help here from family or a resource. How did you make the shift from getting caught up in the struggle to seeing the struggle on its way and resourcing? Probably just age really um, after Probably just getting up, as you said, get up on the levels. Yeah, leveling up. And what level are you now? Tell me again. Level 19. Level 19. You just started the game. Um, there's a there's an idea that depending on the 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 the, the spectrum, the the severity of the spectrum, the, the that repetitive, um, formulaic. Uh, things that are, uh, once you, you've learned how to solve the problem, for example, a complex video game, playing chess, these types of things come easier for you because A, as you and I talked about, solving problems. Not chess, buddy. Not chess or anything <laughs> like that. I will say fishing, though. Fishing, I think, comes a lot easier. That's one of my favorite hobbies is fishing, swimming, and riding. Okay, talk about fishing. Why fishing? Why why is that a hobby um, for you, what is it about it that, that fits? It's peaceful. Honestly, you get to, you get, I don't do it as much as I want to sometimes, but I'm the type of guy, we used to have a big pontoon boat and we used to go crappie fishing, like jinx fishing and you like slide it down and then you get to reel them in. And if I had to get to eat them afterwards, it's great. Does this question, does 
what do I want to ask? I want to ask. It's, it's very interesting because I feel like if something I asked bothered you, one of the gifts of spectrum is saying, Hey, that question bothers me. And like, there's no boundary or yeah, I told you there wasn't. So feel free to ask away. Well, no, I, I think my, the question that I, that I want to ask is, Oh, okay. Do you get bothered by questions about autism in your brain and your mind and what it's like to be Sam? No, I'm a, I'm actually the polar opposite. I actually love it. I mean, I do have like a weakness it's one of the words i don't like and it's the only thing that really makes me mad i, I tell people you say that particular word that shall be the a nameless word um then then other than that we're good to go you can ask me anything i'm the polar opposite because i like to show like okay here's what i can do maybe this is a new experience and here's why i like this way how if you don't tell me what the word is how will i know not to say it or is it just a oh, word that i should assume never to say here's a that's a hint for you. Got it. So I'll say that when I was first diagnosed with all my learning disabilities, my processing, my ADHD, a girl said that to me. She called me that name. That was probably the most painful experience of a child. So that's something that you and I share is a hatred for that yeah. word. No, I, I can't. I have friends that I don't want to say are that. I would never say that at no. all. I can't, but they're lower uh, functioning, as sure. way to put it. And, but I think they're going to be successful. I have a great friend. He he's been my buddy for a long time. I call him my number one man. Um, he he's probably not going to go to college, in my opinion. But you know, he might he might go work at the school and clean up the places, be a janitor. Sure. Sure, but let's talk about quality of life now. I think one of the reasons why parents of kids who are autistic or have spectrum, and I want to ask you about Asperger's versus autism. And, and well, I'll ask you that first. Should Asperger's, should that have been rolled into autism or should those things remain separate? Um, hmm. I think that's a question for the doctors. Honestly, I can't yeah, but they all think they know a lot more than they actually know. That's True, why I, but I want to be honest with you. Doctor, I'm not an expert. Like I proclaim that I just speak on my experiences. Yeah. My podcast focuses on the emotional side. I can give you like facts, but there that's a doctor question that you'll have to ask to a doctor because I can't give you that answer. That's a great question though. Well, it's just something that there's a lot of debate about because some people felt like the term autistic insinuated a lot lower function than Asperger's did. Asperger's seemed to be a soft way of saying high-functioning autism. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, my opinion is it could and it couldn't be. It's just a doctoral question, I feel like. Do you feel like when people find out that you're autistic, that they make assumptions that inhibit the relationship. Yes. I would think that if I'm, I'm pretty, I go back and I say I have autism now, then it's probably, I think some people would just be like, Oh, shit, and act differently. <laughs> They're probably like, Oh, I, you're autistic. I'm sorry. There's no, there's nothing to be sorry about though. We, my mission I'll read you the mission here, actually, and it's my answer to your question. Please do. The mission of Autism Rocks and Rolls is to take the stigma off of autism and other conditions that many think are disabilities. People on the spectrum are not broken and do not need to be fixed. 
Those who have conditions or abilities do not want to be pitied. There's nothing to be sorry about. Wow. I think that might answer your question. It does. I really think it does. When people come up to you and they say, you know, hey, how are you doing? You're like, you know, great. And the conversation goes. At what point do you decide to bring up the the fact that you have autism? Or do you assume that they're going to? Not right away. Okay. I keep it secret. I do like keep it like secret for a while, but not like too long. It's probably like during this, like if you, we bond us the second, third conversation, boom, that's when I spit it out. Do you Unless f- my podcast comes up in the conversation, then I mentioned it earlier. Now, do you feel like in that first and second conversation, let's just say for the sake of argument, it's in the third conversation that you bring it up. Do you feel like they've treated you differently in the first and second? Have they reacted to what? What is it about you that makes someone go, um, what's going on with Sam? Like, what is, where, what's, why Sam different? That's a good question. I think that's a question for them. Because I really can't give you that answer. That's a really tricky one. I think that's a damn brilliant answer. Because really, at the end of the day, the only one struggling with the relationship is them. Yeah, they. I can always say to friends if they want to know it, they think you gotta ask them. Because I know they can say you're great to your face, but then you don't know. The next thing you know, they're talking behind your back. So well, and it it, it seems like that even if you were, you know, uh, uh. Here's Sam. He's got it. He's got a podcast. He's high functioning. He's autistic. He bungee jumps. He skydives. He's done great. I want to believe me. He's done great in school. So what is it that people are treating you different for? Sam, why do you think? What's your opinion about why people think they need to treat you like you have a disability? That's a question for them because I don't know. I don't think there is a good reason. Maybe I show with social cues. Maybe it's the conversation. Maybe they don't flow the way that society wants to. It's a question for them. I'd say that's the answer, though. It's a society. It's their. It's their loss, and it's the fact that they don't want to. They don't want. They don't want me to converse the way they do, and that's not. That's an issue I'm trying to solve in this podcast. That's a really interesting point, and I and I think. Because my, my counter was they want you to converse the same way they do. But then you're right. There's something about society, the, the, the great ego, that has them go, he's different. So he's got to act different. He can't do society things like bungee jump, like be a podcast, like do well, like have a future. And so you're right. Do you feel like people are holding you out of their version of society? Yes. Wow. That sucks. Oh, it does suck. And I, and, and that, but the, but you know, this, what saved me was that crap of me are going down. It really did. How do you, how do you teach that to other kids with autism? How do you teach that with parents of, of, kids with autism how do you say look you're, you're just you're give a shit a meter you're you're the fucks you give the crap a meter's gotta go down how do you teach that when you see someone you love i mean it's obvious that that you've talked about your mom a few times that you guys have a great relationship did her 
did her vending machine of fucks run out and never get refilled? <laughs> like, yeah, she was she was bullied as well when she was younger for her weight. And probably she won't mind mentioning this, but it was mainly grown that self mature of the of the fucks really. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm trying to teach other people, and I have friends who do care about others think. And I and I mean I know that people are people at the end of the day, and sometimes they don't listen. But I'm trying to promote. Listen, if you don't give it that crap it won't it will be solved you'll be happier trust me and what else i do is i just try to encourage support and just tell them i'm like like good job and i step in and show them the routes of what friendships are hop in and try to be their friend and try to do what we can do the level of being able to disconnect from something you seem to possess a level that other people don't is that autism or is that just your attitude in life I think it's a combo of both. Yeah. I think it's 50% autism. I, well, actually, I think it was first the attitude of not caring and learning how to, the ropes are socially. But then I'm expanding on this autism because it was before and after. So it's like autism, attitude, autism. I have a Facebook group for parents of teens that struggle called, strangely enough, Parenting Teens That Struggle. The purpose of the Facebook group is to collect parents who feel like they're alone, under-resourced, and unloved for what they're going through and give them a place to ask questions, to seek support. And this page, without promoting it financially, I talk about it on this podcast, has grown to over a thousand families. One of the things that I see the most is, A, it gives me connection to people and allows me to connect, support uh, people who are just crying for help, who are looking for help. But uh, the main thing is I'm watching parents reach out to other parents. Somebody will put up and say, my 14-year-old's going through this and this, my 17-year-old just OD'd, my 12-year-old stole the car. I mean, these are the type of parents that listen to this show, you. What you're going through, having a teenager that struggled, where you're afraid this struggle can go, well, those parents whose struggle has gone there are listening to this show as well. And if you're one of those parents that the struggle's gotten that deep, I want you to know that Parenting Teens That Struggle on Facebook has a thousand of those families as well. This is a free page. I post videos of workshops that I teach, results from coaching experiments that I'm doing uh, with teens who are struggling, uh, one-on-one interviews, this podcast, and other experts like Avani Dilger post there on Parenting Teens That Struggle. I want you to go there because it's a place where you can say, holy crap, my my kid did this. Anyone else here? And you'll be surprised at how many people know exactly what you're going through. Parents of teens that struggle, you are not terminally unique. You have a life support system. And guess what? It's on Facebook and it's a free group. I moderate it. It's a private group. And what happens inside that group stays inside that group. So join me over on Parenting Teens That Struggle. Get loved up by other parents and me. And let's get back to talking to Sam Mitchell about his podcast and his life and how autism rocks.
Sam, what's been the response from your podcast? What's it been like? You getting lots of letters, fan mail, hate mail, bomb threats. What's going on? Well, it's not bomb threats. I think we'd be out of country by then. A lot of, not a lot of fan mail either, unfortunately, but I have got a lot of positive uh, feedback from my community, like good jobs. Some have reached out to me. Some haven't. I mean, I don't, I think it's good though, for the most part. And are you, are your guests primarily people who are interested in autism, invested in autism, have it, are experts on it, or are you just grabbing anybody who wants to have a conversation? That is an excellent question. And let me tell you, it's actually, sometimes it's not really autism because I believe in full disabilities as I've gotten to um, do this podcast. It was probably autism at first, but not as much anymore. I just want them to have a story. Here's an example of that, who's someone who's not autism, Miss Manny Harvey. She is the fourth runner up of the 2017 America's Got Talent season. Yeah. She is a musician, but is deaf. And she came on the show? Yep. And you're just looking for people with stories. Yep. Um, here's one, Miss Tomko. I've learned um, Sarah Tomko is her name. She is an actress and is on shows Resident Alien on Sci-Fi and Sneaky Pete. However, she's not really like have any autism, but she is a mental health advocate and fights for equality, rights, justice, all that. You're talking to someone right now who runs a residential treatment facility. Teens come and live with me for a minimum of four months. Over the years, I have had lots in, in, in you know, 30, 35 teenagers with autism on spectrum, male and female. If I was to bring you in to train my staff and bring you to my parent weekend training courses, give me the top three things that you would train my staff and the families of uh, their kids who have autism. Okay. Um, probably the first one is employment. I would want to tell them that getting them a job is the number one priority. That is a concern that I'm having. And Miss Temple Grandin, who I've had on my show as well, that we are seeing, we are, we want see, we want people to have jobs and disability or not. Cause people half the time, people on spectrum aren't getting jobs because, because of a miscommunication and they fire them. And that shouldn't be the point. It should right. be to show them that they work. Because we can work. And if we were working, I'd be on the couch playing video games. And I don't want that for anyone. I want someone to do something. And then number two, probably patience. You got to have patience with everybody, even the ones who are disabled mainly or or what people call disabled or if they have an ability. But three, probably the biggest one is about being you. I encourage everyone to be themselves because even though you may share the same name, you don't share the same thoughts and views. Which one of these is the hardest for parents, do you think? Um, I would say for parents, probably the job because they're, because I don't think that they understand why they need a job. They might think, oh, shoot, they don't get, they're autistic, no job, boom, taken away. No, that's not true. They can have a job. It may be not like the president of the United States, but they might get to have a cash register job and they can do that. They can do it. They might need resources. But we need to be held to the same standards. And is it more than just um, the idea that, um, uh, you know, it's a good thing for you to do because otherwise you'd be on the couch playing video games? Or does this really feel like, you know, contribution, fair value exchange, part of the world thing for you? Well, there are two reasons why I think. One, I think even though we don't like society, I think we have to cooperate sometimes with society and yeah. i think a way for us to cooperate with society 
and at least in America, is gain a job for where we're from. That's phenomenal. But two, it shows my my redemption because I think in life, neurotypicals and someone with a disability does not get a shot at redemption in life to prove themselves to what they can do and what they have. Gain a job is one way to show that. Do you accept that term neurotypical? I do accept that term. As someone with adult ADHD, grew up with ADHD and learning disabilities, pretty severe ADHD as well. What does that make me? Neuroatypical? Sure. I think you could be <laughs> neuroatypical. Why not? Well, I'm not normal, that's for sure. And and if, if you remember, normal people suck. And I like yours. There is no normal. And that is, I, I agree with that. That's 100% true. But everybody seems to spend their time trying to create a normalcy. So what? They feel safe. They feel connected, free, valuable. What is normal in your mind? It, it seems to have a high ticket. It's a high commodity, but why? Well, to me, there is still no normal, but if I had to, if I had to think of a normal, it'd probably be living in America, doing what, following the law and living in America and getting everything you need. The wife, house, job, sure. making money, family, whatever that may detail. You talked earlier about travel and adventure and uh, travel agency and, and planning trips and stuff like that. Have you traveled a lot? Have you been on a lot of trips? Oh, um, not a, not like a whole lot, but definitely some. I've been to Destin, Florida a couple of times. That, the second one was my favorite trip. Yeah. Um, Texas, San Antonio, Texas, Cincinnati, Ohio. And I'm from the Midwestern, so these are all really close to me. Sure. Um. When I've also seen Kings Island, I've been to a rodeo show before. I went to Pigeon Forge in Gautenburg, Tennessee. I've been to Sandusky, Ohio to go on Cedar Point. I've had the honor of that. And on a class trip, I went to Washington, D.C. What and about Sarasota, Florida? And, and then Sarasota, Florida. What about overseas stuff? Is that in your future? Uh, as far as staying where I am in the United States, I'm staying here because if I'm too nervous, this is not kidding. I'm afraid I'm going to break the law where I don't realize it. And then I'm, then I'm like, oh, shoot. Well, I'm, I just got arrested in a German jail. Uh, anyone? <laughs> did you walk? Did you watch too many of those locked up abroad shows or something? No, I, it's a real feel. Like I am too nervous. Like I am afraid I'm going to break the law in someone's other's country. It's probably from a North Korean article I was wearing. Cause I just want to see how stupid North Korea was probably. Yeah. And it said, and it said you cannot wear blue jeans in North Korea. And I just thought, if I knew, if I did not, if if I if I did not read this article, I'd probably be the idiot wearing blue jeans in North Korea. So I went to one of the most strict co countries, Singapore, where I'm sure you've heard about laws in Singapore. You can't spit on the ground chewing gum against the law. Like it's 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 very strict. See, and I would have known that if I that's one of the words. <laughs> if I went went to Singapore, I oh got a little. Now, this is bringing something up. Do you find yourself getting caught in thought patterns that are hard to break? So, for example, your fear of going to another country and potentially breaking the law. If you and I traveled together, right, and we went to Malaysia, 
And the first thing we did, because I have a lot of friends in Malaysia, is we would connect with one of my friends. And we would just go around with them. Because I don't know all the laws in Malaysia, but because I'm resourced... I'm not afraid of breaking the laws because I would have a, let me give you an example. When I was your age, a little bit younger than your age, I went to Japan. I was on the train and I saw a sumo wrestler riding a moped and I laughed. And my roommate, my, my exchange friend hit me in the chest with his hand. And I looked at him and he said, no, 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 much respected. And I looked around and all the people on the train were glaring at me and they were pissed so I immediately went around and apologized very formally and, you know, said, sumimasen, gomen nasai, and gave little American flags to people. And by the end of the time, there was laughter and stuff. They knew I had made a mistake and I saved face. But see, that's a cultural thing. But you said you're afraid to travel. You and I both know you're smart. You like to research. And all you would have to In do the is... United States, I'll travel. And definitely Canada, too. I feel a lot safe to you. There's a little bit of differences, but not too much. little bit. But is that a thought pattern you're stuck in? Or do you think one day you'll be like, no, I'm totally going to Mexico? Probably, because I have no filter at the end of the day. So I probably do get thought in caught up patterns where I'm just like, all right, at this, I need to say this. or this, <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to be handed, handed down in, in me mentally. Talk about the no filter. Blessing, curse, okay. both. Um, so yeah, I have no filter. Like it goes back to that crap of me or I have no fear because I believe in one of our, our most base important amendment that we have is the first amendment. Yes. Freedom yes. of speech. I firmly believe in that one. If religion and press and all the others, I definitely believe in freedom of speech. I firmly believe that because a of the autism. Definitely. I think as I grow older, I have no filter and sometimes I don't realize it. Sometimes I'll say something and I think, Oh shoot probably have, shouldn't have said that but then number two is some don't have that and because that's a and i'm grateful to have that i'm going to use that every day i think you're in a great line of work like i said to you earlier i can't remember we were on the air or off the air i'm sure some some parent will remind me in a letter say you said this on the air you never said that but i believe that you and i are part of the last free press being podcasters, we get we get control of what we say. We can cuss if we want. We can talk about any issue. Any I've had guests on who have been traffic. I have people on who have been convicted sex offenders and have been in rehabilitation. I've had autism experts on. I've had I, everything. Anybody. Yeah, the beauty I of podcasting is you get to have whatever you want. Yeah. Now with me, I'm pretty nitpicky. I have to keep it within my limitations of autism and disability obviously, or have a story, but I can still have them on my show and get to share a beautiful, inspirational story. And to me, that's a good day. Do you ever have thoughts or ideas to maybe start a second show? I have, but I feel like if I do, because I'm already going to college, that would be too much on my plate. Talk about the future for a second. What are your plans? I'm going to go to Ivy Tech, which is in Bloomington, Indiana, and Sue there for general studies, but then go to Vincennes and transfer for either media or entrepreneurship. Beyond that? What? Beyond that, beyond college. Oh. As far as the future goes, baby, I'm hoping that one day I'll just live the classic American life. Maybe a little differently, but definitely live an American life. 
My guest today has been Sam Mitchell. He is the host of the podcast Autism Rocks. What an amazing show. What an amazing guest. Parents, I want you to understand as, as clearly as you can the idea of the identified patient, that you've got someone in your family that has to be the patient of the family, that they're the wounded one, the sick one, the addicted one, the struggling one. That struggle, that wounding, that sickness might be yours, not theirs. What if the struggle they're having is equivalent to the struggle that you're having? And what if the struggle, I mean, you heard Sam. What if, what if your kid could let go of the struggle as soon as you did? His, his unwillingness to give a crap about what someone else thinks about whether he has a disability or whatever is the reason why he's so easily connected to, why he's out there in the world making sure parents like you have the support they need for your kids. I want to thank Deepin Productions for the production of this podcast, for the amazing music, and I want to thank Your Cause Consulting for making sure that my shows are in front of the right listeners. And parents, I want to thank you for making Beyond Risk and Back a number one parenting podcast. Thank you for listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing Beyond Risk and Back. I really appreciate you as an audience, and I appreciate the opportunity to support you and your family. Parents, take care of yourself first, your adult relationship second, and your children third, because in that way, you will do your best work with your children. I'm Aaron Huey. I'm your host of Beyond Risk and Back. We'll talk soon.